The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We would like to welcome and greet you to the sacred space that is Marsh Chapel this morning with open hearts full of joy. Welcome to all of you sitting here with us in our beautiful Gothic sanctuary, as well as our congregational family listening at WBUR 90.9 FM and our global listeners via the web at WBUR.org. We offer an especially warm welcome to Dr. Eckel Nix, Associate Professor of Religion at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, who will be gracing us with a sermon titled, Be You, today. We look forward to sharing with you in worship. We join together this bright Sunday morning to give thanks to the Creator and to recognize the divine that moves in and among us each day. Let us stand and praise God while the choir sings our introit and we join together in hymn song. Thank you. 
Please join me in a word of prayer. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We enter into a time of reflection on both of the things we have done and the things we have left undone that burden us through our days. As the choir sings our Kyrie, we may join them and reflect on our lives as creatures of the world, creatures of the earth, and of children continually to struggling and strive to live in the presence of God. Lord, have mercy. Friends, hear the good news. There is more love in God than there is sin in us. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are, in, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bless the Lord, the 
Dear friends, let us say together verses from Psalm 119 with the Antiphon. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. Glory to you, O Lord. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, 
Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm delighted to be the preacher in this summer series, and it's great to be back in a place that I call home. Appreciation is first extended to Dean Heald for the generous invitation to return to BU. He and I chatted yesterday by phone, and he asked me to pass along his good wishes and greetings while he's away. Thanks to Ray Bouchard for his friendship over the years and for the administrative assistance with my travel arrangements and to the entire chapel staff and program participants who are assisting us in worship. Time does not permit recognition of my many professors, mentors, and friends, several of whom who are here today, but I would like to at least publicly acknowledge Dr. Robert and Mrs. Beth Neville and to thank Dr. Neville for his outstanding leadership and service during my graduate school years at BU, as well as his strong and abiding support. The same can be said for Mr. Ed and Ms. Diana McClure of Brookline, who is actually Ms. McClure who encouraged me to remain in Boston when I thought about returning south. And I cannot help but think of the remarkable life and dedicated and hard work of Dr. John Silber. There are also several family members and friends tuning in around the country, as well as my daughter Mackenzie in South Carolina. So a warm welcome and hello to all of our listeners in the um, greater world. As we think about emerging adulthood, I think of Apostle Paul's message to the early church, which is relevant to all of us, including young adults. He tells the early Christians to not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their minds so that they may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I like the Living Bible's translation the most, which says, be a new and a different person in all you think and do. Paul is against a philosophy that says, be like everybody else, and he is against thinking that if the majority culture is doing something, then the majority must be right. It's one thing for the majority to rule, but it's another thing for the majority to be right. Paul does not want the early Christians to only follow the latest and most dominant view. Many people then and now are intimidated by what somebody else does or thinks. But, but Paul discourages the early Christians from trying to please everybody and he encourages them to consider 
their own distinctive identity, to engage their own particularity, and to answer the question, what is a Christian? Paul's command against conformity contains two parts. The first part is do not. The second part is how not to conform to this world. So the two parts are do not and how not. The how not is by renewing your mind or having an inner experience of faith and love. This inner experience in the New Testament, especially in St. John chapter three, is called a new birth or being born from above. Paul Tillich would describe this experience as a creative mental readjustment. Being born again results in making better choices and producing different habits which ultimately create one's character. In verse two, Paul is clear in his command against conformity. He first says, do not, and secondly explains how not, but he does not say, why not conform to the world? So we should ask, why not, Paul? Why not imitate the way of the world? After all, we live in the world, so why not be of the world? We are connected through family, friends, organizations, fraternities and sororities, other volunteer associations, political parties, social and educational and financial institutions. We are in the world, and there are both conscious and unconscious influences that affect us through sales and advertisements, media propaganda, music, commercials, and images from the television and internet. These are some of the ways we experience the world. We live in the world with inextricable connections. So why not conform to this world? Paul does not answer, but maybe he thought there are fundamental flaws with this world. The world is flawed due to sin, evil, religious and social division, pride, terrorism, racism, sexism, and all other kinds of isms. And for every historical period of peace and tranquility, there are counter periods of war and violence. Perhaps this is why Paul says, do not conform, because what is acceptable is entangled with what's unacceptable. What's virtuous is mixed with what's vicious. The good is intertwined with the bad. So being counterculture as a Christian is Paul's way of transforming the world. At the time of this letter, Paul was in Corinth on his third missionary journey. He had never visited Rome, but he was writing this church because in the first century, Christians were confused about their citizenship. A major question dealt with an allegiance to civil government. Loyalty was demanded by Claudius, who was the emperor of Rome, but loyalty was also demanded by Jesus, who once said, render to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things which are God's. What complicated this message is that Christians had a dual citizenship. They were citizens of time and citizens of eternity. They lived on earth, yet claimed to be a colony in heaven. Paul also told the Corinthians, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Christians are what Stanley Harawas of Duke University calls resident aliens people with both a religious and a political identity, or what Martin Luther called a doctrine of two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of Christ. Christians in Rome were conscious of their dual citizenship 
or being two at the same time. They were like many roads and highways in American cities. For example, Highway 25 in Greenville, South Carolina is the same as Whitehorse Road. In Boston, Interstate 95 is the same as Route 128. In Richmond, Virginia, Route 1 is the same as Lombardi Street. They're often both at the same time. So too with these early Christians, being in the world, they had to pay taxes and obey the law. They may have had a social security card and required to stand and pledge allegiance to a flag or sing the national anthem. But being not of the world, they obeyed a higher law, the law of love and righteousness. It was not easy for them living in Rome. And due to the victories of Alexander the Great, the Greeks and later Romans became leaders in the Western world. It was once said all roads lead to Rome. There were big buildings, giant water baths, large statues of gods and goddesses such as Zeus, Apollo, and Aphrodite. The Greek culture began over 700 years before Christianity, and the early Christians did not have that kind of history to point to. They were a minority group trying to spread the good news about a new religion, different from their Greek and Roman predecessors. And Paul reminds them to not surrender their supreme loyalty to any time-bound idea or earth-bound custom. For at the heart of the universe, there's a greater truth beyond our feeble rationality. There's a greater wealth that is richer and more satisfying than material possessions. There is a greater love that is more lasting than the temporary and unpredictable fluctuation of human emotion. There is a greater help that is beyond all human options and earthly hopes. Instead of looking around at what the Greeks and Romans had, Paul encourages these Christians to be themselves. He writes, do not conform to this world. Be a new and a different person in all you think and do. Amen.
Beloved, as we come to a time in our service to pray together as individuals and a community, I invite you to remain seated or to stand or come to the altar, whatever your tradition is to do so, as our choir leads us in their call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Almighty God, we call on you this morning to not conform us to this world, but to transform us by the renewing of our minds. Merciful God, we come to you this morning with our hearts high with the heat of summer, but our hearts are also heavy with the weights and cares of this world. We pray this morning for the children we pray for the tens of thousands of children who, fleeing violence and fear in their homeland, have found their way into the United States. We confess that we have met these littlest and least among us with overwhelmed facilities and angry protest. We remember, God, that your son and our savior as a child fled violence in his homeland to seek shelter in another country. Give us the courage and conviction, God, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, and to welcome the strangers, especially the littlest ones. We pray for the children of Israel and Palestine and children subject to violence all around the world. We pray for those who are too young to understand the violent conflict around them, but who cannot sleep for rocket and gunfire who are afraid to play or to go to school. Lord Jesus, you taught your disciples that we will never enter into the kingdom of heaven unless we change and become like little children. Change us, Lord, so we also cannot understand or even fathom violence in order that we shall no longer learn war anymore. We pray, Holy Spirit, for the inspiration to testify with our spirits that we truly are all children of God and to remember that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. While we may feel overwhelmed by the troubles and sufferings of this world, we know that by your grace, Spirit of the living God, we can call together 
a better vision of your glory. And God, great one in three, since you have created and claimed us all as your children, we are bold to pray the words that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The peace of God be always with you. We'd like to welcome, to take this time to welcome you again to Marsh Chapel, a sanctuary amongst a city and a place of peace in times of stress and chaos. We are so happy to be sharing in this morning with you and worship and the sounds of the chapel and of Boston around us. We hope that you find a home here and feel that wherever you are on your spiritual path, that this truly is a place for you to continue your walk in peace and compassion with one another. We would love to get to know you better and help you get to know one another better. And a great way of doing that is by putting your name and contact information in the red books towards the center of each pew. So please fill those out and pass those along. Directly following our service today will be an annual July barbecue out on the um, BU Beach, which is right next to us over here. It's a beach, but really just the grassy lawn. Please come and join us for great food, good friends, my peach blueberry cobbler, and great conversation. We'd love to see you there. You can find more information about our summer preaching series, The Gospel and Emerging Adulthood, on the insert in your bulletin, as well as all the information of Dean Hill's summer schedule. Again, he sends his regrets that he can't be with you this summer, but he is thinking of you in spirit. Next week, we'll have another opportunity to hear Dr. Eckel Nix bring the word, and we hope to see you all then. For other news on Marsh Chapel events, please visit our website at bu.edu chapel, where you can also find a space for online giving if you are feeling so generous. Now, as we beckon our ushers forward, let us be reminded that it is a gift to be a giver. We are indebted with an ancient Christian practice, which is the opportunity for generosity. As the choir lifts us up in song, may you find yourselves being as generous as you are able.
We give thanks today in the words of Howard Thurman's Thanksgiving prayer. Today I make my sacrament of thanksgiving. I begin with the simple things of my days, fresh air to breathe, cool water to drink, the taste of food, the protection of houses and clothes, the comforts of home. For all these I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I bring to mind all the warmth of humankind that I have known, my mother's arms, the strength of my father, the playmates of my childhood, the wonderful stories brought to me from the lives of many who talked of days gone by when fairies and giants and all kinds of magic held sway, the tears I have shed, the tears I have seen, the excitement of laughter and the twinkle in the eye with its reminder that life is good. For all these I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I finger one by one the messages of hope that awaited me at the crossroads. The smile of approval from those who held in their hands the reins of my security the tightening of the grip in a simple handshake when I feared the step before me in darkness, the whisper in my heart when the temptation was fiercest and the claims of appetite were not to be denied, the crucial word said, the simple sentence from an open page when my decision hung in the balance. For all these I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I pass before me the main springs of my heritage, the fruits of labors of countless generations who lived before me, without whom my own life would have no meaning, the seers who saw visions and dreamed dreams, the prophets who sensed a truth greater than the mind could grasp, and whose words would only find fulfillment in the years which they would never see the workers whose sweat has watered the trees, the leaves of which are for the healing of the nations, the pilgrims who set their sails for lands beyond all horizons, whose courage made paths into new worlds and far-off places, the saviors whose blood was shed with a recklessness that only a dream could inspire and God could command. For all this, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I linger over the meaning of my own life and the commitment to which I give the loyalty of my heart and mind, the little purposes in which I have shared my loves, my desires, my gifts, the restlessness which bottoms all I do with its stark insistence that I have never done my best, I have never dared to reach for the highest. The big hope that never quite deserts me, that I and my kind will study war no more, that love and tenderness and all the inner graces of almighty affection will cover the life of the children of God as the waters cover the sea. All these and more than mind can think and heart can feel, I make as my sacrament of thanksgiving to thee, O God, in humbleness of mind and simplicity of heart. Amen.
Consider then our lives an offering to God. We are all of us involved in life in its various aspects and responsibilities. The daily routine carries its own toll of energies and processes. The struggle for bread and shelter continues to the very end to beat at our lives and our very spirits with an insistence that cannot be ignored. For many, there are additional cares that go beyond the demands of our own personal survival and encompass the tender threads of the lives of others to whom we are bound by ties of blood and birth. Beyond all this, there are areas of the concern in life in which we must do our part in order that the very fabric of society may be maintained against collapse and disintegration. There are dreams, hopes, and yearnings which possess our lives, calling us away from the usual round and the common tasks. In the midst of all these pressures and many more, life for us becomes entangled or again and again bogs down. There comes a moment when we are in utter revolt. Something deep within us becomes tired, weary, exhausted, and finally, outraged. What we long for in deep anxiety is some haven, some place of retreat, some time of quiet, where our bruised and shredded spirits may find healing and restoration. One form that this anxiety takes is to hate life and to fear tomorrow. For such the ancient poet speaks a timely word. All such experiences are a part of our experience and must be regarded as life's gifts. Whatever may be the uniqueness of our experience, we must remember that nothing that is happening to us is separated from that which is common among us. The answer to all of this reaction of deep anxiety is, and anguish is, says the poet, thy life to God an offering make and to him dedicate. And the meaning of this, if I make of my life an offering and a dedication to God, then this dedication will include all of my entanglements and involvements. There follows then a radical change over my entire landscape and miraculously, I am free at my center. It is for this reason that it is well again and again to reestablish my dedication, to make repeatedly an offering of my life. I must keep my dedication up to date with my experiencing. Love not the world nor yet forsake its gifts and fear and hate. Thy life to God an offering make, and to God dedicate. Amen.